you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn over to Matthew chapter 6. As we go into the Word uh, today, as the other Sundays have been this, this month, we are focusing on prayer. Uh, one of the greatest gifts and privileges that God has given us as His children, as His people, is to pray. To praise Him, to worship Him, adore Him, but to seek Him and to pursue Him. That God has initiated a conversation with us. We didn't start it, He did. Like creating us for sending His Son to die in our place. And now we get to be a part of this conversation through the Word and through prayer. And it's a great privilege that we get to be a part of. And so um, if you've not been in the prayer journey with us, I encourage you to join for those who are in it to continue on. The resources are available online or outside. So we just want to devote a month to prayer. And we want to become a people of the Word. So we spent a year going through the Word. And many of us have now begun that plan again or different plans. But we want to be a people of prayer because we know that the Bible talks about, and Jesus said, that true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. We do that as we pursue the Lord through His Word and through prayer. And so the first uh, Sunday that we were here, uh, we had the opportunity to talk about truths, about prayer. What is prayer? Why is prayer important? Last week we talked about what it means to pray in community, the gift that God's given us in that. And today we want to talk about how do we pray? How should we pray? And so I just want to say from the beginning... It's such a blessing to get to be a part of this church family. Like, I love you guys. We love you. And it's just an honor for me and for my wife to get to be among you. And as we come into this passage this morning, I just want to say from the very get-go, um, I'm not an awesome prayer warrior. Uh, sometimes I think because, you know, I'm a pastor or people are on staff or whatever, that people look at us and say, oh, they must spend hours a day in prayer and hours a day in the Word. And I just want to be really honest I struggle at this. The things that we're going to talk about this morning from God's Word, I've not mastered. So I'm not the person sitting here in front of you saying, hey, do as I've done and I'm awesome. and be, I'm, I'm coming into this with you. And this has been such a convicting week for me. A passage that's familiar to us all. Most of us have this memorized or could kind of recite it. But diving down to the depths of it, do I really pray this way? Do I really want these things? Do I really long for these things? And so I just want to say from the beginning, I'm in this with you as we pursue Jesus together. So nothing else needs to be said. Let's just go straight to his word. Matthew chapter 6. Let's start in verse 9. Jesus says these words. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one. Would you just pray with me and pray for one another, asking that God just open our eyes to see him and understand his word. Father, we come praising you for who you are, magnifying you because you are holy and you are worthy of all our praise. We are not. You are pray that you'd be the desire of our souls, the longing of our hearts this morning. We pray that your kingdom would come through us, that we would be a people on mission. We'd be a people carrying your gospel. We'd be a people magnifying your name in all that we do. And pray for our church, that our church would be a part of your kingdom work, of drawing men and women to yourself from all across the world. We pray that your will would be done in our lives, in this place this morning, 
We thank you that your word promises that your word will not return void. It will accomplish the work for which you purpose it. Your will will be done. And so we pray and ask that would happen this morning, that you'd align our hearts to your will. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I pray for myself, that you give us what we need today to bring you glory and praise. Just what we need so we might rest in you, but so we might give our very best for you that we be a people who understand and see the gospel. I, I pray that the forgiveness that we've received in Jesus Christ would be real to us, that we'd see the depth of our sin and the depth of your grace that is greater than our sin. And I pray that we'd be a people who extend forgiveness willingly as we've been forgiven by you. I pray that you keep us from sin, from the things of our flesh and our hearts and our minds that draw us away from you, that draw us um, to bring dishonor to your name. I pray you protect us from those things. I pray that you would break chains this morning for addictions and lust and desires and idols that are in our hearts, that you would break those this morning, that we'd see you as the greater treasure. And I pray that you would protect us from the evil one, that you would fight for us, that we know that our war is not against flesh and blood, but spirit, Lord, and we have an enemy pray that we'd be a kind of church that prays against the enemy, that lives in a way that stands against the enemy. We pray that you'd be glorified this morning, that there'd be nothing known in this place except Jesus Christ and him crucified, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would do more than we can ask or imagine or think according to your power that's at work within us. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory and honor for the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. We give ourselves in this time to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where I've had things that have not met expectations, okay? So how many of you at some point or another in your life have ever gotten something or done something or really looked forward to something that did not meet expectations? Like it fell a little short, okay? So I think we all kind of know what that is like. Some of you, there are things in your mind. Maybe you recently like got your Christmas presents and everything kind of you hoped for didn't turn out to be what it was. Or maybe you got that new car and it didn't last as long as you were hoping to, or maybe you were really excited about the haircut you were going to go get, and then when you got spun around and looked in the mirror, like it fell a little bit short of your expectations, an okay day went to a bad day. We know what that's like. Um, even like with our, our children, and we have three that are four years old and under, and getting ready for Christmas, there's all this anticipation about their presence. I can't wait to get this. I can't wait to get this Ninja Turtle thing or this Star Wars thing or whatever that is. And they open up the presents, and they're so excited about it. And then like two days later, they're just over in the corner. Anybody else ever feel this? Like, I thought you enjoyed this. You know, we spent all this time and effort. Things fall short. Um, I've told you some of my football stories. Like I played football one year in middle school and it was terrible. Uh, but the reason I played football is because I thought if I played football, I was going to become this awesome football star, except I didn't like to hit people or get hit by people. And so it made the season terrible. And so my expectations for what it was were not met. And I think a lot of us relate those feelings to prayer. That there's been times, maybe even today, maybe even what you're walking through right now, where you go to pray and you have certain expectations about what you'll get out of it, what you'll feel in it, 
the results that will come from your praying that seem to fall short. Disappointment. Or maybe instead of prayer being a joy, it feels more like a struggle. Or maybe you do it more out of duty because you know you're supposed to than like delight, like it's life-giving to you. And I'm there. I've been there. I wrestle through that too, where prayer feels more like work than it does worship. And why is that? And so this morning, what I want us to see and what this passage shows us is the reason why we pray. What we're praying for, what we're praying to, what prayer's about. And then Jesus not only gives us the why and the goal, the aim of prayer, but then he tells us how to pray. And I think for you and I think for me, if we began praying with this end in mind, this goal in mind, it would change the way we pray. And I think we began to take the Lord's Prayer and apply it to our lives with the goal, the right goal, that it could revolutionize our, our life and our pursuit of Jesus Christ. So what is the goal? What is the aim of prayer? Well, it's God. And the problem for us, and the problem for me, the problem for you, is a lot of times God is not the goal of our prayers. Often the struggle for so many of us is that when we pray, the things we want most are not really the things we need most. And so if we would begin taking the spotlight of prayer off of us, off of our needs, off of our worries, off of our stresses, not that we don't pray about those things, we do, we'll get there, but that's not the reason we pray, that's not the goal, that's not the focus of our prayer. The focus of our prayer is God. Well, how do you know that? Paul will look back at the first verse we read, verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father. If you circle or highlight, underline, you want to circle the word Father. That's where we begin. This is who we're praying to. This is what prayer is about. Prayer is about God. This will be up on the screen for you. This is kind of the big idea, and this is the main reason Jesus is saying what he's saying. The aim and goal of prayer is to not get something from God, but instead to get God. He is the end and the means for which and by which we pray. God is the goal of prayer. You know, I, I knew this coming in this week, but just spending time praying through this word and reading about this and studying it and spending it, it just became really, really clear to me that a lot of times the reason why we are prayerless and a lot of times the reason prayer doesn't seem to have power is because prayer is not focused on the one where the power is. The prayer becomes not about God, it becomes about us. And so when we come to prayer, just like when we come to God's Word, we have to begin with, it's about God. It's about getting Him. It's about seeing Him. It's about delighting in Him. Early on in this passage, we didn't read it. It talks about, go to, your, go to the secret and pray in God's secret so that the Lord who sees will see you and hear your prayers. The goal is to see and be seen by God. He is the end. He is the aim. He is the means. Not only do we pray as him being the center of why we pray, the center of our hearts and our delight, but he's the reason why we can pray to begin with, because of his son. And so God is the goal of prayer. If you walk away with anything this morning, I pray that you would get that. I pray that you'd write that down. I pray that you'd think about these words. God is the goal of prayer. And I pray you'd ask this question of your heart and your mind, even right now. Is God the goal of my praying? Is the reason I pray to get something from God or to get God? 
Is the reason I pray to get something for God or to align my heart with the purposes of God? Because when he becomes the aim of our prayer and his glory is the aim of our prayer, that's where we find our joy. Jesus said that, John 16. He said to pray in his name and when we pray in his name, that our joy would be full. I love this picture that John Piper, pastor, gives us. He says, a prayerless Christian is like a bus driver trying alone to push his bus out of a rut because he does not know that he has Clark Kent on board the bus. Think about that. This is why prayer is so hard for most of us because we're the bus driver trying to pick up a school bus and get it out of a rut, trying to push ourselves through in our life, trying to push ourselves through in the Word when Clark Kent, Superman himself, is sitting on board. Prayer is not about us doing something or God doing something for us. It's about God. And it's about focusing our hearts and our affections on Him. When we focus our prayer on Him, there is hope. Hymn writer Joseph Scriven said this, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The focus is God. The focus is Him. The focus in carrying our needs is not that He will meet our needs that we want and the way we want and the time we want. The focus is we carry them to God. Why? Because He's our refuge. He is our hope. He is an ever-present help in trouble. He is our portion when earth falls away. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 37, and I love this. One thing I have asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord that I might inquire in his temple. My flesh, whom I lie in heaven and you, there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. If you get anything this morning, church, God is the goal of prayer. When he becomes the goal of prayer, it changes everything. So if God is the goal of our prayer, and God-focused prayer is what we're aiming at, then how then should we pray? Thankfully, Jesus answers that question. In fact, thankfully, in Luke 11, the disciples ask, Jesus, teach us to pray. And we too ask that question, teach us to pray, and Jesus does. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time, if we're just going to walk through the Lord's Prayer, what do these statements, what do these prayers that Jesus tells us to pray mean? And then we're going to close our time reflecting on the gospel, what Jesus has done for us through the Lord's Cup. So the Lord's Prayer, we already began it, begins like this. Our Father in heaven. God is the goal. It's about Him. The focus is on Him. Then there are three petitions for God. And they begin like this. Hallowed be your name. If you circle or underline, you're going to want to circle the word your. You're going to see that three times in the next three statements. Again, the focus is God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Three different statements. Three different petitions. The focus is on God in each of them. Hallowed be your name. What does that mean? It means that when we pray, we pray in praise in pursuit of God's holiness. When we pray, we're to pray in praise of and pursuit of God's holiness. What is God's holiness? 
God's holiness is the weight of his glory. It's the beauty of who he is. God is completely holy. He has no sin. There's no one. There's nothing like him. He's far above all else. And so before we ask God anything on our behalf, we are to pray in light of God's holiness. We are to praise him. Because you are God, because you are good, because you are worthy, hallowed, praise, holy be your name. Your name is holy. I praise you because your name is holy. When we begin praying, church, this is where we're supposed to start. A recognition of his holiness. He is worthy of our worship. And when we praise him for his holiness, it creates in us a wonder and awe for him. When we ask God that he'd help us to see him as he is and his holiness as it is, it creates in us an awe and a fear. Proverbs 1.7 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of fear of him. I don't know if you've ever read Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Lion, Lich, and the Wardrobe, or you've seen the movie, but there's this part in the book and in, in the movie when the children are trying to find out about Aslan. Aslan is the great, all-powerful lion. He, he represents God. The children have never met him. So the children are asking the beaver, and they say, is, is he safe? Is the lion safe? And the beaver responds, no, he is not safe, but he is good. And you see this, there's this tension that, that he is not safe. God is not safe. He's all-powerful. He's all-holy. He's greater. He's totally different than us, and yet he is good. And yet his holiness on display has been made possible through Jesus so that we can enter into a relationship with him. So he is great and he is awesome and mighty and yet he is also good and he's approachable because of his son. And so hallowed be his name is a prayer of praise to God, but it's also pursuit. And so here's what this prayer means for us. God, you are holy. Here's the second part. Make your name holy in my life today. This is, this is the prayer. Lord, you are holy. I worship you. Lord, you are holy. Please make your name holy in my life. May the thoughts that I think, may the words that I speak, may the things that I do magnify your holiness today. When people see my life and the way I live, may your holiness be put on display. You are holy. Nothing can change that. My praying or not praying does not change your holiness. But Lord, please allow my little life, my little speck of dust that's here today and gone tomorrow, please today help your holiness be put on display through me. Let the world see your greatness in my life today. That's what that prayer means. So we pray, hallowed be your name. Secondly, he says that we are to pray, your kingdom come. Again, the word you're there. It's about God. Before we ask for anything for ourselves, we pray on God's behalf. And he says, Father, your kingdom come. What is that? It means we pray asking that God's rule and reign would become the reality of our lives and our world. This is a missionary prayer. This is what John and Ginger were talking about in the video. Your kingdom come. Let the gospel come forth. Let the good news be alive in me. Help me to be a messenger of your truth. Help me to live a life that points people to see you. Let your kingdom come. Really practically in my home with my three children. Lord, please let your kingdom come in my kids' lives. Let them see the gospel. Please save them. 
Let your kingdom come through my family. Lord, please help my family today display the gospel that when our neighbors see us pull in or when those people who are checking us out at Food City see the way that we interact with our kids and the way that I speak to my coworkers, and let your kingdom come. Let the gospel be on display. Help me to carry a burden to my lost friends, my lost family members. Give me the boldness to speak the truth of what you've done. That's what your kingdom come means. It means we are missionary people. Everywhere that a Jesus follower sets his foot is his mission field. If you're a Christian in this room, and you've placed your faith in Jesus, when you walk into work, that is your mission field. If you're a stay-at-home mom, when you step into your house, that is your mission field. Your workplace, that is your mission field. That lunchroom, that is your mission field. Carrying the beauty of the gospel, the good news that if people do not hear it, they will spend eternity separated from God. We pray for our church, that your kingdom would come through our church, that we would be the people that show the gospel in and through our lives. So we pray, your name is holy, we worship you, hallowed be your name. Make your name holy through my life today. But only make your name holy, let your kingdom come through me today. Let the gospel go out through me today. It's a practical prayer. God, make me aware of the conversations I'm going to have today. I don't know about you, but I get so self-focused and so focused on my to-do list and my projects when I get done, I forget about the person sitting next to me. I forget about the person who's serving me my coffee. I forget about that. Lord, give me a kingdom mindset. We pray your kingdom come. It also means another prayer. It means, Lord, let your kingdom come instead of my kingdom come. I've heard it said many times before, often instead of praying thy kingdom come, we pray my kingdom come. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What's the point? If God's not in it, it will fail. And so a lot of times we approach prayer and we say, God, please build my kingdom and bless it. Give me this. Please take care of this. Please heal this. Please fix this. Please give me strength for this. Oh yeah, and be glorified through that. That's not your kingdom come. Your kingdom come says, Lord, let your kingdom come instead of my kingdom. I don't want you to be about building my kingdoms, God. Help my life be focused on building your kingdom today. Let's just break this down really practically. Lord, let your kingdom come in my family. And if that means that my sons and my daughters go across the world and I never see them again and they die for their faith in Syria or Iran and it lets your kingdom come, let that happen. That's what that prayer means. Whatever it takes, whatever it means, let my life, let my family be about your kingdom because you are worthy. You are holy. You are good. So let my life be about your kingdom, not my life be about building my kingdom. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The third is, thy will be done. Very close to your kingdom come. Thy will be done. We pray asking that God's purposes would come to pass for our lives over our own purposes and desire for our lives. Your will be done. Whatever that means, God, let your will be done. It doesn't mean that we don't come to God with our problems. It doesn't mean we don't come to God with our struggles. No, we come to God with our struggles. We come to God with our requests. But here's the difference. 
When we pray, thy will be done, what we pray is saying, God, I'm sick. God, this person I love is dying. This person I love has cancer. This person I love has fallen away, whatever it is. God, please heal them for your glory. But let your will be done, because I know you know what I don't know, and you understand what I don't understand, and you see the big picture, and I don't. So not my will, thy will be done. We've um, been wrestling, I've been wrestling with this just personally over the last couple months. We are expecting our fourth child and excited and scared to death about what it means to have five children, or four children, five years old and under. Not five, thank you, Lord. Yet, anyways... Um, and the excitement of that, and it's scary, but as we were going through November, it was a hard month of six weeks for our family, and I know there's people in this room that are wrestling through so much more difficult things than we are, but we've had complications in our pregnancy, and thankfully the baby's fine and okay, but just high risk for potentially miscarriage and other things, and just the stress of that, and we had a vehicle that got totaled, and we've had other kids who've been sick, and there was just a three to four week span where it's just so hard, and my prayers were, God, please take this away. Please help our baby in the womb be healthy and safe. Please help our children get healthy and safe. Please stop making these things happen. And my prayer before all this had happened really has been, Lord, please make me like yourself. Please make me like you. And so as we're walking through this, my prayers are changing. I'm reading through John 15. I get to John 15 too. And it says, those who bear fruit, those who are Jesus followers who are Christians, those who don't bear fruit, the Father cuts them off. Those who do bear fruit, the Father prunes. And so we're walking through this, these struggles in, in my life and in our family's life. And then I'm reading this, and I've read that verse, and I've preached that verse, but as I'm reading this through the Spirit of God, reading the Word, God is saying, I'm pruning you. Do you really want what you asked for? You asked me to make you like me. I'm doing that. Is that really what you want? And in those moments, that's not really what I wanted. I wanted the difficulties to go away. I wanted the stresses to go away. I, I, I didn't want to become more like Jesus. And so this is what thy will be done. Whatever it means, whatever you have to take me through, whatever I have to walk for through, thy will be done because I trust you and I want to be like you and I want to bring you glory. And this is not a prayer that God just says, hey, you pray this. This is a prayer that God himself prayed through Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to these words. Luke 22 and when he came to the place, he said to them, he being Jesus, pray that you may not enter temptation. It's part of the Lord's Prayer we're about to read. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. So you see Jesus? God, please take this cup from me. What is the cup? It's the wrath of God. The weight of your sin and my sin and God's wrath on that sin about to be poured out on the Son, on Jesus Christ, representing what we're about to do here at the table. That is coming on Jesus. And Jesus says, Father, there's another way. Take this from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus takes the burdens. He takes what is on his heart. He takes the difficulty to his Father and says, God, please take this away, but not my will. Thy will be done. Do we want God's will to be done or do we want our will to be done? 
hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we see three petitions on behalf of God in our lives. Then we see three petitions on behalf of ourselves. This is where we'll end. The third is this, or fourth, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We pray asking that God would give us what we need to bring him glory today. If you underline or highlight in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to mark the words this day and daily. There's emphasis here. In these few words, he's emphasizing something. This is a prayer about today. Not a prayer about tomorrow. Not a prayer about next week or next month or next year. Give us this day our daily bread. What's the point? God, give me what I need today to bring you glory. Give me just what I need today to glorify your name. And this is a prayer that comes from Proverbs. Jesus knew scripture better than anywhere else, anyone else. Proverbs 37 through 9 says this, Two things I ask of you, deny them not for me before I die. I remove far from me falsehood and lying. Then listen to this. Sounds a lot like give us this day. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that's needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This is daily bread. God, give me what I need today. Because if you give me more than I need, I will walk in my strength and not rest in you. Isn't that true of us? That's one of the greatest travesties of America and the Church of America. We have so much, we don't need God. Give us this day our daily bread, says God. Give me nothing more than what I need, so that I may not be prideful and arrogant enough to think I can do life without you. But do not give me less than I need, so that I would doubt you, or that I would profane your name by not resting in you. Give me today what I need to make you look glorious. Provide for my physical needs just for today, just what I need, so that I might magnify your name to the utmost. This is a prayer that has Jesus as our joy in the center of it. I love it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes his refuge in him. Have you tasted and seen that he's good? If he's good, he's all you need today. Give me this daily, my daily bread. Next, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Lord, give me what I need today to glorify your name. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. We pray asking that God would give us an awareness of our need for forgiveness, that he would forgive us, and that he would make us a people of forgiveness. What's that mean? It means, one, this is a confessional prayer. God, forgive me. Forgive the sin that's in me. It's looking at our day. It's looking at yesterday. It's looking at our hearts and saying, I've sinned. I've fallen short. Here, I need your forgiveness. It's also prayer asking that God would make us aware of our sin. A lot of times we're just unaware. But thirdly, it's a prayer saying, God, help me to extend the forgiveness that you've shown me. I was sharing this with our families at Parent Connect not too long ago. Uh, my son Jack, uh, he disobeyed mom, and mom began uh, going through the disciplinary process with him. And uh, Jack said, Mom, God forgives all our sins. You should forgive my sins too. My little Pharisee, you know. And so when I got home, you know, it's yes, God forgives your sins, but Daddy does not forgive, forgive your sins. No, I didn't say that. Um, 
You know, we had to walk our son through, you know, consequences and disobedience and all that kind of stuff. But he's right. God has forgiven all your sin if you're in Christ Jesus. Not some, all. Not little sin, big sin. We were rebels, we were enemies. You know the depths of the wickedness in your soul. God has forgiven you that. How can you and I withhold forgiveness from other people? So let's get really practical. Is there anyone in your life today that you're bitter against? You have resentment toward? You're angry? You've unliked them on Facebook? Denied their friend request? Left a not-so-nice comment on their picture? Whatever it is for you, is there anyone in your life that you've not shown the grace and forgiveness of God to you? who deserves it because God has forgiven you. Not because of what they did, but because you have been forgiven. Have you experienced the forgiveness of God to the extent that it changes the way you see every wrongdoing committed against you as something being so minor compared to what God has done in forgiving you your sin? Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. Do, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. God, forgive our sins and our debts in the same manner that we forgive those who've sinned against us. Well, let us be a people of forgiveness who understand the gospel. Then lastly, he says to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one. Some split this into two, we'll leave it as, as one. This is a prayer that we ask that God would protect us from temptation to sin and from the spiritual attacks from the enemy. So it's twofold. One is that it's praying, God, keep me from sin today. Now I want to be really clear. He says, lead us not into temptation. Does God cause people to sin? No. James 1, God does not sin. God does not tempt people to sin. So what does he mean when he says, lead us not into temptation? God does not cause us to sin. God does not sin, but he allows us to be tempted, right? God is in control of all things. He's sovereign. We're tempted to sin every day. God allows that temptation to happen. So the prayer is, God, when I am tempted, when you allow me to be tempted, help me not to give in to temptation. Help me to find you to be the greatest treasure. Help me to find you to be the greater reward. Turn my eyes from worthless things that I might follow you. So it's a prayer recognizing that there's a war within us. That our hearts are deceitful, they're desperately wicked, that no one can know them. We need God's forgiveness. So let's get really practical. You know the sins that easily entangle you. They pride. There's some idols of the heart. It's identity issues. It's doubt and fear. It's lust. Whatever the sins that are quick to grab hold of your heart and your mind, it's waking up every day and going to bed every night praying this prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation. I know I'm going to be tempted to think that way. I know I'm going to be tempted to act that way. I know I'm going to be tempted to think that way. Lead me not into temptation. Take that away from me. It's fighting the battle against the heart for the heart. Deliver us from evil or from the evil one. It's a recognition that not only do we have a battle within us, but there's a battle from the outside of us. Ephesians 6 talks about this battle. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a war. First Peter 5 says that we have an enemy who's like a lion. He's looking to devour people. John 10 says that his desire is to steal, to kill, and to destroy your affections for God. But that Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We need to recognize we're in a war. Pastor Mike talked about this a few weeks ago, how prayer, it's a wartime walkie-talkie. It's, it's not an intercom to call on God to give us the little things we want. We are in a battle, a battle within and a battle without. And so we pray, Lord, deliver us from temptation. Lead us away from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. Why? So that we might glorify you. Some translations end with, For thine is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen. Your translation may not have that. It wasn't in some of the oldest manuscripts. It's a quotation from Deuteronomy. And so it's applicable to pray, In everything, Lord, be glorified. So, The aim and the goal of prayer is not to get something from God, but instead to get God. He is the end and the means for which, by which we pray. God is the goal of prayer. We pray for His holiness. We pray for His kingdom. We pray that His will would be done. We pray that He would give us what we need in our daily bread to glorify Him. We pray that we would be a people of forgiveness. We pray that He would protect us from sin, lead us not to sin, help us in the battle against sin. Here's how I want us to end, back at the introduction. Our Father in heaven, we pray in Jesus' name. Prayer is about God. It's aimed at God. He is the goal of prayer. But prayer is also made possible through God, through Jesus Christ. If you're like me, you grew up praying the words in Jesus' name almost after every prayer, every meal. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' name, amen. Those words carry great power. Brian Chappell says it this way, Prayer in Jesus' name is not an incantation to make us worthy of divine attention. It's a confession that we are unworthy of even approaching God apart from the mercies and merits of our Savior. We pray in the name of Jesus to profess our need of Him and to proclaim our trust in the provision of righteousness which He made for us. The reason we can pray our Father is because Jesus died on the cross in our place. And when we are saved, we are adopted into God's family. So when we pray in Jesus' name, Jesus' name should not just be the end of our prayers, it's the beginning of our prayers. Because our prayers would not and cannot be heard by a holy God except through the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we pray, we pray on behalf and thankful for Jesus, the God who intercedes to the Father on behalf of His children. Why, 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 why would any of us, why would any of us have the privilege of being sons and daughters of God? I know the things I've thought. I know the things I've done. I know the ways I've fallen short of my wife. I know the ways I'm a bad father at home. I know the ways I let people down. I'm a bad pastor. I know all those things. Why would God save me? Grace. We pray in Jesus' name. And that is where the power and the authority and the ability and the grace and the hope comes from.
church family. I'm going to end with this, Hebrews 10, 9-22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened through us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus Christ, let us draw near. We can draw near today because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You can be heard today because of the blood of Jesus Christ. With a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, with our bodies washed with pure water, we draw near because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we move to a time of response and respond through the Lord's table. The band will come up and provide some music. Here's heads bowed, eyes closed, no one moving, no one leaving. I just want you to, to think for just a minute. The only reason we can pray is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only way. So there's two groups of people in this room. One, those who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, repented of their sins, placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And those who haven't. Maybe this morning as you're hearing the word preached and the word sung and the word prayed, for the first time God's opened your eyes to see, I've been praying, but I don't have a relationship with God. He's not my father. I've gone to church, I've tithed, I've been baptized, but I don't know God that way. Jesus is not my advocate. He is not my Lord. The way that you're talking about praying the Lord's Prayer, I've never, ever known anything like that. My prayers have always been about me, and I don't even think I have a relationship with Jesus. You can today. Believing that He's the Son of God, asking Him to save you from your sins, you can be saved. This morning, that can be you. And so for you, this is just a prayer of repentance. It's a time to ask that God would rescue you. And you can come talk to one of our pastors or out at the hub. We'd love to talk to you about how that works and what that means. For everyone else in this room, if you are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can draw near. You don't have to get good enough or make yourself right enough or do a lot of right things in order that God will hear your prayers. Your prayers are heard today because of Jesus Christ, church. Not because of anything you do, not because you've been a good person today or a bad person today. Even when you're at your worst day and you've been mean to the kids and you've been upset at work and you've sinned in your heart, you are still heard. Not because of what you've done, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So this morning we want to praise Him by remembering His death on our place. But before we come to the table, I just want to invite you where you are to pray. I want to invite you to pray the Lord's Prayer, but to put it in your words. What does it mean for God to be made holy? What does it mean for His kingdom come, for His will to be done in your life? What is your daily bread today? What does it mean for you to be a person of forgiveness today? Is there anyone you need to forgive? Is there sin you need to confess? Is there a temptation that you need help in the fight? You pray that prayer.